Imputed Podcast starts right now. And hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Asman and Budic Show. I'm Jake Asman, alongside Dan Budic. And get ready, because it's going to be another Football Frenzy podcast. We're already up to week number 12. Week 12, last show before Thanksgiving, obviously, next week. But, you know, a great plethora of games. You talk about Seattle, Arizona. Could this, a game that could, you know, implement uh, the division. So that's, a, that's definitely going to be a great matchup. But a lot of other games, too. Sunday night. Dallas Giants. That's another good one. Well, Dan, you mentioned it, and of course, we'll get to the Giants and the Jets coming off the bye week. They'll be in action taking on the Bills in a very snowy Buffalo that has prevented the Bills from practicing the past two days because of that insane blizzard that they're getting in western New York. Uh, It's really unbelievable. If you haven't seen some of the images, you must be living under a rock because it's all over social media and really is remarkable. But Dan, as you just said, this will be our last show before Thanksgiving. We'll be off that week because uh, we just don't have the, the means of equipment to be able to do a show back in our hometown, Syosset, New York. But we'll be back after that to wrap up the first semester of uh, Asman Budic shows. And, of course, Dan, as you mentioned, the football frenzy, week number 12, and a lot of good games to get to. And, of course, I think one of the, the best games on the schedule is actually a 1 o'clock game between the Lions and the Patriots. That's another great game. You talk about the Lions come in at 7-3, and three, the Patriots are 8-2, and two, and how good have the Patriots played since all the all the, the talk about, oh, Brady's done, Belichick era's over, and their time of dominating the AFC East is over when they rattle off six straight wins. I mean, Jonas Gray yeah. was a, a monster on Sunday Night Football against the Colts, and, you know, as it is with the Patriots, these guys come out of nowhere and they perform. And because once again, that's just they're that's just in the Patriot way. The last the last seven eight years. I mean, that seems to be the case. And you know, at the end of the day, the Patriots are always going to be the Patriots as long as Brady and Belichick are there. It speaks volumes about the type of coach that Bill Belichick is. And of course, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. And until Tom Brady stops being Tom Brady. I don't want to hear that he isn't Tom Brady. Exactly, and you know, obviously, they're clearly the best team in the division by a lot. I think, even though uh, the Dolphins trail them by two games, Dolphins sit at six and four. But I mean, that's going to be a great game. And you, you talk about the Lions too. Defensively, the Lions have been great uh, at that times this year. So you put that Lions defense up against the Patriots offense, which has done very well as we saw Sunday night. You know, that's that's going to be a great matchup. So we'll get to the game a little a little bit later on in the show. We do want to say that we'll have another buy or sell segment a little bit later on. And as always, at the end of the show, we'll make our weekly pigskin pickums. But let's start with the first game we'll talk about, which is the Browns and somehow the first place Atlanta Falcons. It's really, uh, you know, it's amazing. And Jake, we talked about it after the game, the Browns. I mean, I mean, the oh, excuse me, the Falcons. And we said the Falcons are in first place. They stink. They're not a good football they're, they're team. Awful. They're not a good football team. They've been so inconsistent all season. You talk about them. Just to put things in perspective, Dan, that division, the NFC South, is so bad it's awful. that if the New York Jets at 2-8 and eight were in that division like the Bucks are, they'd only be two games back. That's unbelievable. And two it, games back. I mean, Jake, how bad are the Falcons? I mean, they're not a good team. You know, what were we talking about three weeks ago that— that Smith's job would be on the line as head coach in this team. If they win the division, he's not going to be fired. No, you gotta Doesn't matter what their record is. No, you, you can't fire a head coach off of winning a division. It just doesn't happen. But just think about how crazy it is that a four and six, the Atlanta Falcons are sitting right there. A team as, with the Saints, a division with the Saints yeah, in it. For a ba- as bad as that defense is, and as bad as that offense with Matt Ryan has looked at parts this season. They're right there, and that's because Carolina, after winning 12 games, we talked about this last Terrible. week. They're awful, and we, we, we're already, we've already talked about it before. The Saints, who I thought it would be so hard for them to lose back-to-back home games, I picked them. 
they lose again. So the Saints have now lost back-to-back home games, and they're they're sitting at four and six. So you have two division leaders sitting at four and six right now in that in, in that division. I mean, that's just unbelievable to think about. It's uh, it's definitely unbelievable. And I mean, how bad have we seen this Falcons defense play this year? It's brutal. They're a good offensive team defensively. They've been brutal, especially in the secondary, and they sit in first place. And you talk about the Cleveland Browns six and four. We did not think at this point they'd be six and four, and Brian Hoyer would still be their starting quarterback. But I guess who are we to say at six and four? I mean, they're in prime shape to you know tack off a couple wins. They could they're they're definitely in playoff contention. Well, they, who would have thought? Well, they are. They're sitting at six and four, and you know they lost a tough one last week. But even at six in and a four, very tight division, everyone in that division is at least six and four or better. Cincinnati six and division. three, Pittsburgh is seven and four. They obviously had a big comfort behind win on Monday night to really keep their chances alive in that division. Then Baltimore, they have a big game this week. Uh, I believe they're actually playing the Saints. So yep. that's a game that is on prime time that we'll get to a little bit later. But, I mean, you look at both of these divisions, and it's pretty wide open for different reasons. Obviously, you know, the AFC North has teams with winning records. The South, you have two teams tied for first in that division at 4-6. and six. Unbelievable stuff. It really is. It's unbelievable. You, you wouldn't have thought that a, a division with the Saints and the Falcons in it would and would have a, a first place and, team at four and, and six. even the Panthers because they won twelve games last the year. The Panthers too. It's a good point, but the Panthers just have been so inconsistent all year. I mean, they, they've. I mean, I don't think they're much better than the Falcons are, but I mean, but well, I I don't see a team in that division that's very good right now. And but you know, someone's got to be in first place. No, you're absolutely right about that one. Let's get to another game now. You have Tennessee. We just talked about the Steelers come back on Monday night, and that that of course was against the Titans, and they're taking on Mark Sanchez and the Eagles and. You know, for all the talk about how great Mark Sanchez was, you're going to see that this is going to take time. He really struggled Sunday against uh, Green Bay. He really struggled, but I don't know if that, you know, everyone's like, oh, typical Sanchez. Uh, Green Bay is playing really, really well right now, especially offensively. They were just able to tear up the the Philadelphia's defense. Yes, Mark Sanchez didn't play well, but I think he was forced to throw the ball and, and do a lot of things that maybe he was not comfortable doing, a la when he was with the New York Jets late in his uh, tenure there. But again, against a team like Tennessee, I mean, they should beat a team at seven and three. If they want to keep pace, especially with Dallas playing the Giants and how bad the Giants are playing, they want to keep pace with them. They're going to have to win this football game. Eagles always play well at Lincoln Financial Field. They do. This is an opportunity for them to get back on track, pick up a win against a very bad football team in the Tennessee Titans. But here's the thing with the Eagles: their offense, there's no question, they could score a lot of points. But their defense needs to improve if they want to have. I, a I mean, it was terrible this Super past Bowl. Week. They allowed Rodgers to just torch them, and they come into this game with a. 26 best defense uh, statistically right now in the NFL. If they want any chance of going far into the playoffs and having an opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl, that defense needs to be a lot better for them to have a shot. It needs to be a lot better, and it needs to be more consistent. But, you know, we've seen even last year at times when they went on a playoff run that, or when they made the playoffs that their defense wasn't that good. So I don't think that's anything new with the Eagles. It's just a matter of can their defense just hold par and give their offense a chance to make plays and, and, and keep them in a football game. They didn't do it this past week. Packers and the Vikings. Of course, Green Bay, we just talked about their big win at home against Mark Sanchez's Philadelphia Eagles team. And then you have the Vikings sitting at 4-6, and six, and we all know what happened with Adrian Peterson by now. The NFL's decided to suspend him for the rest of the season. And we'll start with that, Dan. Do you agree with the decision to get rid of him? I do. I do. I think, you know, he had very— uh... His, his actions were very strong. I mean, he hit his his kid with a switch. I mean, that's an act of violence. And I think the letter that was sent by Roger Goodell to Adrian Peterson was very telling. Uh, I don't think that Adrian Peterson has shown much remorse. I don't think he necessarily thinks what he did was wrong. And, you know, I, I don't blame the NFL for taking the actions they did. I mean, they, they, this is something that you can't tolerate. And I think by bringing him back 
right now at this point when the Vikings are on the verge of making a playoff run, uh, four and six, you know, they're not out of anything yet. And they have a young quarterback, and they could definitely use Adrian Peterson. I don't think you could bring him back in. I don't think it's fair to the. I don't. I. I think it's giving the Vikings an advantage, uh, just bringing back Adrian Peterson, and it's giving Adrian Peterson just you know just throwing him back into the fire. I think he's better off keeping him out and work his way next year and see what happens. Well, I don't think that I. I don't think the NFL really cares about the advantage thing, but I agree with you. I think it's absolutely ridiculous if he were to play this season. He was getting paid while he was being suspended. And, I mean, yeah, and w- this idea that oh well. Well, he's not playing, so that's a punishment. Well, he's still getting paid. At the end of the day, I, you you love the sport, but you're doing it for a paycheck. So he wasn't get, he was getting paid while he was on this list. And you know what? Roger Goodell had to do something about this. He had to he had to yeah. put down a firm punishment after the whole Ray Rice thing. And Absolutely. The worst thing that can happen is you know someone an arbitrator overrules it and they reduce suspension. But at least you see the NFL trying to take a, a strong stand and. You know, that's kind of what they had to do. Whether or not it's the right decision, it was the decision they had to make based on what the public outcry would have been if they only gave him, let's say, two or three more games. Well, the thing was, if he were to come back week 11 or week 12, I think it's just, I think based on what the letter Roger Goodell sent to Adrian Peterson on Sunday, it was very, very, very telling that he, obviously, that he felt that Adrian Peterson did not learn anything from sitting out and did not feel that any sense of remorse for his actions. In fact, he said he would, you know, hit his kid again. So I think, based on that standpoint, I think Roger Goodell had no choice but to keep him out the rest of the year. Now let's get to the actual game because we just talked about Green Bay. Remember when Aaron Rodgers told everybody to relax? Well, since then, they must Green be pre- Bay, they're pretty relaxed. They're pretty relaxed right now, and Green Bay's just been phenomenal. That offense is unbelievable. That defense has played well. I mean, Jordy Nelson has 150 yards catching every week. It seems like and, it's unbelievable. And you know, I was watching, uh, I was watching Sports Center uh, last Sunday night after they were wrapping up all the games, and Trent Dilfer made a great point. And I really think this is true about a lot of teams in the NFL. If you're going to compete for a Super Bowl, you have to do at least one thing great. And the Packers, they don't have a great team. But they have a great offense. They have a great quarterback. And that gives them a chance to win anything, any single game. They'll have a chance with Aaron Rodgers. And that's why the Packers, when they were sitting at 1-3, and three, you didn't really worry about it because you knew Aaron Rodgers was going to be Aaron Rodgers. And he's just been arguably the best quarterback in football this season. The only thing you worried about was and when they played the Jets in Week 2, their offensive line was not performing. I mean, they had a lot of trouble protecting Aaron Rodgers early on. If you remember a couple of years ago, he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL I mean, that has improved as this season has gone on. They've done a better job protecting him in the passing game. And you know what? No one seems to be able to guard Jordy Nelson downfield. I mean, the guy is unbelievable. I, like I said 60 before. catches. I'm, a thousand receiving yards. A thousand already. receiving yards. Week Nine 12. touchdowns. And you That's unbelievable. You mentioned Jordy Nelson. Randall Cobb has 54 catches for 779 yards and 10 touchdowns. So between their one and two receivers, that's 19 touchdowns through the air. And you look at Aaron Rodgers, the guy has 28 touchdown passes. We're in week 12. Yeah, but you know what? So, you know what? So people are like, oh, you know, defense wins championships. And to a certain degree, you're right. But when you have an explosive offense like that, you can make up for a lack of a great defense. You can make up for not, you know, you're not talking about a horrific defense. You're not talking about a, you know, last year Seattle. We're not talking about a last year Seattle Seahawks uh, defensive unit that's going to rush the passer like crazy and be able to guard downfield with the best cornerback in football. But you're talking about an ad, uh, an adequate defense along with an offensive passing game that is just potent. The most potent passing game in the National Football League. I mean, Rodgers' numbers this season. He's got 28 touchdowns. Guess how many interceptions he has. How many? Three. 28 to three. Well, he well, it, it was interesting because he didn't have, I think he didn't throw a pick till what, week four or five? He was unbelievable. Well, I think he, he, he was at 18 and 0 at one point. That's the last time I checked. But I mean, 
28 touchdowns, only three interceptions. He's almost thrown for 3,000 yards, and he's got a quarterback rating of 120. He's been that good this season for the Packers, and you know he's a great day, he's at, a great quarterback. At, at the end of the day, if they have Aaron Rodgers, they have a chance in any single game, and that's why in a passing league and a league that's driven by the quarterback, the Packers will always have a chance. He doesn't make many mistakes. He's and and he and he puts the ball. Like like most great quarterbacks do, he puts the ball in places that only his receivers can catch it, and that's a, that's a, when you're when you're a starting quarterback in the NFL, that's all you can that's that's what you want to do. That's that's going to be the approach, and he's done a great job this year. They, they're if they can if their defense can just hold the fort down, and their offense continues to play like it has the last several weeks. I mean, they're, they're in the playoffs. You do not want to face them on the road, at home, even in the Superdome. You do not want to face them. Jaguars and the Colts now. Obviously, the Colts played Sunday Night Football against the Patriots, and they really got their blo- their doors blown off. I mean, the Patriots dominated that football game. They really ran it down the Colts' throat. And, you know, this is an Indianapolis team that there's a lot of question marks still surrounding them. We know they're a good football team. Right now they're at 6-4. and four, But when they played the game's elite, Denver and New England, they haven't exactly played very well. Denver was week one, so you kind of throw that out a little bit. But... The Colts are a very good football team. They're a team I wouldn't want to face in the playoffs because they have Andrew Luck. But, you know, this is a Colts team that there's a lot of question marks still surrounding. I think the question marks don't surround the offense. I think defensively, they've had a lot of trouble against the passing game, against those deep deep, uh, those deep routes downfield. They have not done a good job, and, you know, it's been very inconsistent with that. But you know offensively what they're going to do. And, and, and they're not, they're, you know, Coach uh, Pagano and, and their offensive unit—they're not—they're not hiding what they're doing. They're going to throw the ball downfield. Luck's going to throw a fifty, to, forty-five to fifty times, and if they're successful, most of the time they are. But when they haven't been and their defense hasn't played well, you know that's when they've lost football games. I mean, that's what happened last week against New England. And the Jaguars continue to just be terrible. Not really worth spending any yeah, time on them. Yeah, I mean the Jaguars. You talk about them. They're at one and nine. Oh, the good young quarterback in Blake Bortles. I've liked some things I've seen out of him, but like I said, he just doesn't. They're just not a good football team around, and they don't have the offensive pieces, and they don't have the defensive pieces to put a, to put an adequate football team out there around him. Bengals at the Texans. Cincinnati got back on track last week with a big win, and now they're at six three and one, back in first place in their division. And then you have the Houston Texans, who also had a nice win over the Cleveland Browns a week ago. At five and five, and Ryan Mallett looked pretty good in his first game as a starter. Uh, Ryan Mallett looked pretty good, and what impressed me the most is that he was very poised in the pocket against a team like the Cleveland Browns, which has done a great job defensively rushing the passer. So I think you, you I thought I like the move, like I mentioned a couple times on the show before, bringing in, taking out Ryan Fitzpatrick, bringing in Ryan Mallett. And I'll tell you what, I think really, you know, I, I like Cincinnati, but the, how many terrible, they've had some terrible losses this year, including to Cleveland. So, I mean, when you look at this Houston team, I like what I've seen, and I definitely like the the addition of Ryan Mallett in there as a starting quarterback. Don't sleep on the Houston Texans at 5-5. Five and five. Well, really, it really depends on which team is going to show up when you talk about the Bengals. Is it the team that started off the season great that a lot of people thought were you know one of the best teams in the NFL, or is it the team that... Was horrendous the past couple of weeks, and it was embarrassing. Awful, prime time really on Thursday awful. night football. So. I mean, that was. I mean, I that was one of the worst. I mean, that reminded me of Mark Sanchez and the Jets' offense, Week One, two thousand ten, against Baltimore. That's how bad their offense was. I mean, they couldn't do a thing. They couldn't move the ball at all, and that's concerning. That's very concerning when you talk about a team that you know coming into the season after the first few games, you were talking about deep playoff run. When you have trouble even moving the football down against a team like the Cleveland Browns, that's that's concerning. They've been very inconsistent. 
but that should be definitely a good game to watch. That'll be a good game. We'll find out what type of team Cincinnati is. They got back on track, but I mean, if they want to be considered one of the better teams in the NFL, these are the type of games you have to win against. They also have the the dreaded tie in there too. Sure, the old six three and one. Six three and one. Cincinnati comes into the game with and. Finally, before we get to the Jet-Giants segment, actually I shouldn't say that because we still got some 4 o'clock games, but the last 1 o'clock game, besides the Jet-Bill game that we'll cover a little bit later on in the program, is this Patriots-Lions game that we were talking about a little bit in the opening. You have a 7-3 Lions team and an 8-2 Pats team. Really good matchup here, and Dan, you talked about it a little bit earlier. I think this game comes down to Tom Brady against that Lions defense. Tom Brady against that Lions defense. I think Tom Brady's. this is probably one of the better defense. This is probably the best defense Tom Brady's faced this year, I think, when you talk about just a team that could really apply the, apply the pressure. And, you know, as we know and as we've seen over the last dozen years when Tom Brady has significant amount of pressure on him and he's flushed out of the pocket, you're taking away a big skill, and a big skill of him is that field vision when he is in the pocket. So I think if 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 then if uh, excuse me if Detroit can do that, I mean they're setting them. That's half the battle against Tom Brady. As far as their offensive concern, I mean it's all about Calvin Johnson and the relationship he has with Matthew Stafford downfield against Darrell Revis, baby. And Rob Gronkowski, how do the Lions stop him? Because when he's they, on, they, he's they on. can't. No, they don't, there, they don't, there is no defensive play. In my opinion, there is no defensive player in football that can guard Rob Gronkowski one on one. He, he, I don't think there is. I, I happen to agree. There's, there's no way to stop him unless, unless three games. He's got five touchdowns. But I, I do like the Patriots in this, in, in this game. Me they too. always play well at Gillette. Five and a, five and a home record. They got a six game winning streak coming into the game. And I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier. But Jonas Gray, where did they get this guy? And of course, where do they typical, get any of these typical guys Patriots? From? You plug them into this system, and it seems to always work out. I mean, they, they you plug them into the Tom Brady offense, and. You know, they do they do great things. Who ever heard of Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis before he played for the Pats? An undrafted guy who did some great things in that Patriot offense, ended up getting a contract going over to Cincinnati. So, I mean, they, they it's been guy after guy over the last dozen years with the Patriots. But once again, the matchup, Detroit's first in NFL defense against Tom Brady in that offense. It's going to be—that's that's the key to the matchup. Can they put the pressure needed on Tom Brady to rattle him and put him in a position to make a mistake? Because we saw him make a few mistakes last week, too, when— uh, when uh, when the Colts were able to put just a little bit of pressure on him. So uh, if you could do that, that's the key. So let's get to the, the rest of the 4 o'clocks and, of course, the Monday night game. We'll start with probably, you can make a case that this is also the game of the week, Cardinals Love at this game. the Seahawks. And if you remember last year, the 9-1 Cardinals were the only team to go into Seattle a season ago and win. And, of course, Dallas did it earlier this season. But, once again, this is a Cardinals team with Drew Stanton starting. They looked pretty good against the Lions last week. They looked pretty good against the Lions last week. But you go to Seattle, can Drew Stanton lead this team to a win in Seattle? I mean, that's tough. That's tough for a guy that's, you know, not necessarily the most experienced starting quarterback in there. So, I think that's a, that's going to be definitely against them. But you talk about a team that's 9-1, and one, I mean— I mean, they've done some great things this year. Obviously, they missed Carson Palmer, but you talk about Seattle, six and four. Not many people thought they'd be in this. Not many people thought. Maybe people thought they'd be a, there'd be a nine and one team facing a six and four team. But I don't anything. I don't think anyone thought the Cardinals would be nine and one and the Seahawks would be six and four. So I, it's it's going to be tough for Drew Stan to go in there and win. It, you know that place is going to be as hostile as ever. Well, we we've talked about this type of matchup before because we always said that. You know, if the Cardinals were going to win the division, they would have to split against the Seahawks. And you look at Seattle, obviously, they're three games back, but they still got two games left with the Cardinals. That's the key. So this is their opportunity right here. If they want to get back and win that division, 
and have home field advantage, they're going to need to win this football game. This is a must win for the Seahawks, not to make the playoffs, but to have a chance at hosting a playoff game because we know the difference between Seattle on home, at home and Seattle on the road is— It's night and day. It's, exactly. It's night and day. It's, they're a totally different football team when they're away from Seattle. And, you know, quite frankly, it, it, we, we always said, and this was the case last year, it could still be the case this year if they're able to pull it off. That if they get home field advantage throughout the playoffs, you could book their trip to the Super Bowl. It was the case last year. This year, they already have four losses. But if they're able to take advantage against the Cardinals and get hot, win those two games against Arizona, and really string some wins together, they've won three straight, they definitely still have a shot. But this is the game they have to win if they want home field advantage. They have a shot, but I think it's a long shot, and I'll tell you why. You're banking on the Cardinals then to lose four-plus games. And at 9-1, and one, with the way the Cardinals have played, especially defensively, I don't know if they're going to lose four well, or five. Well, they games. let's say Seattle sweeps them, and that put them at let's say nine and three. Nine and three. Then throughout the rest of their schedule, I'm sure they could possibly lose at least one more. We'll see. Yeah. And then they would own the tiebreaker. So they still yeah, have a shot. I, they do have a shot, but Seattle's got to play their best football up ahead. They have to. And the past three, they've, weeks, they've been very. They've started to play well, but prior to the last couple of weeks, I mean, they haven't been great. Well, they were three and three. Now they're yeah. six and four. So yeah, they're finding they're finding ways to. To get get back on track, I, th- and win I some will games. say I think Seattle's best football is ahead of them. I agree. I think they're. I think even last year we saw they got better as the season went on. They got better, and then once they went into the playoffs, I mean, it was just it was the four, It I was mean, a matter. Of, yeah, they it booked we, their trip into the Super Bowl. We said it. The 49ers, Once they beat the Niners, that was the Super Bowl, and clearly it was because you know, we all remember how that game turned out for Peyton Manning and that Denver offense. And let's move on to another game. You got the Rams in the Chargers. San Diego sitting at six and four, and the Rams at four and six. But we always say this It'd about be the Rams: four really good teams. If they beat the teams that were not very good in the league, they'd be a playoff team. I mean, they beat in Seattle this season. They beat with the no Niners, quarterback, and they beat in the Broncos. And you're right; they really have not had a consistent quarterback play for most of this season. They obviously lost uh, Bradford before the season even started in the preseason. And at four and six, the Rams have wins over three of the best football teams in the league. And if I'm San Diego and, and I'm on their side, I'm a little concerned about this game because I'll tell you why. St. Louis has a great defense, and how about Sean Hill? He played really well last week, and you put, talk about him putting up against the San Diego Chargers defense. Obviously, last week they got Manti Teo back. They're getting they're getting more healthy on defensive side of the ball. But at 6-4, I mean, early on in the season, they look like the best team in the AFC. First three, four weeks of the season, we just haven't seen that consistent play, and Phillip Rivers' game has tailed off the last couple weeks. But this is a game that would concern me if I'm San Diego. St. Louis, you mentioned it. They beat some really good football teams. They made some really good pays. The fake punt, of course, against Seattle. I mean, they're not a, they're 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 aggressive team. They're a very aggressive team, and at four and six, they're a lot better than their record shows. Dolphins at the Broncos, and we were just talking about some of the good teams that the Rams have beat, and of course the Broncos last week were one of those teams. Denver struggling a little bit. They lost two straight. They, they lost to obviously the Patriots two weeks ago, and last week the Rams. They're hosting the Dolphins, and I never like warm weather teams when they have to go play in the cold. I really like. And Denver I don't like anyone game. playing in Denver. No, I don't like anyone playing in Denver, and I don't like anyone playing in Denver off one loss. Forget about two losses that they lost in a row. So I can see this one turning into a blowout. It's not that I don't think Miami's a good football team. I think they're solid. I just think Denver's gonna have a game where they put everything together and they put up a lot of points. Well, I think they need to because what yeah, it's very tough to lose three games in a row at this point in the season and, and then build on a run. You know what I'm saying? It, it's it's kind of we're at that point in the season where you really got to get your stuff together, and you you were a t- couple of tough losses. You were you were you were road warriors, tough losses, and you come home against a Miami team that's solid. But I think they're going to put it all together. I think Peyton's going to have a big game. And obviously Miami comes in off a win off against Buffalo on Thursday Night Football, and their playoff hopes are still alive. This would be a huge win for them if they could pull it off. I just don't see it, but we'll find out. I I don't see it here. I think they need a great game from Ryan Tannehill. 
Let's get to our final 4 o'clock game right now. you got the Niners hosting the Redskins. Dysfunction with oh, the, the Redskins. Skins are terrible. With RG3 and his postgame comments kind of throwing his team under the bus, and then he later said that that wasn't his intent. They took it out of context. It's typical stuff. There's always seems to be something going on in Washington. There's always some sort of controversy. Then you look at the Niners, who a couple weeks ago saved their season in New Orleans, and they've been able to you know put some wins together. They blew out. Well, they didn't blow out. They, that game was pretty close last week against the Giants, but they found a way to get a win against the Giants, and now they return home, and they're playing a very bad Redskins team, a team that have to win to continue to string these wins together. They have to win this game. They have to take advantage of at home against a Washington team. You mentioned it's so much dysfunction. I mean, it seems like, you know, they draft Robert Griffin III. They have the one year they go to the playoffs. They look like they're on the upswing, and we're going to see a new era of Redskins football. And, and you know, it, they just took a tail south last season and this season at 3-7. and seven, They get RG3 back, and he really is not a shell of the player he was prior to his injury, whether it's he can't move as well, whatever the case may be. This is a game the 49ers really, they have to win. At 6-5, and five, it's going to be very tough for them to, to go on a run. 7-4, and four, totally different story. Well, you know, 7-4, and four, they put themselves in a position to Great still position. be alive in their division. Uh, yeah. And, of course, you look at the rest of the NFC, it's going to take a lot of wins to get you into the playoffs when you have Seattle fighting for a spot. You, of course, have the Niners. You look at the Eagles and the Cowboys. One of them and is going to win and I, and I say this only because they're so, don't forget about the Saints. I don't count out New Orleans. No, well they're at four and six, but once again, I mean they got if they put some wins together, you can't can't you, you can't count when them you out. You have such a great quarterback in Drew Brees, you can never count out a team with a great quarterback. You can't count them out four and six. You want to say, oh, their season's over. I mean they could very they could very well win that division. So I mean there, there's a lot of teams in the NFC. The NFC is very tight, and you talk about a team at six and four. If they could go to seven and four, I mean against a team like the Washington Redskins, you got to take advantage of. Bad football teams, three and seven. The Redskins aren't very good. And finally, let's get to the Monday night game. You got the Ravens going to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Third straight home game for the Saints. And believe it or not, we talked about it earlier. They've actually lost two of those games in back to back weeks, which, you know, two weeks ago was the first time they lost at home since 2010. I don't even know the last time they lost back to back home games. But now the Ravens come in and they're taking on the Saints team. Dan, you just mentioned it. This is a must win game for the Saints. Um, you know, you know. Honestly, it is still hard to say that with how bad that division is. But at some point, someone has to win some games. If the Saints want to win that division. This is a game they got to start thinking about winning. Yeah, and I don't want to say it's a must-win only because everyone's four and six in that division and it's wide open. But it's just—it's so hard to see a team four and seven make the play. You know, go on a run and make the playoffs. It really just—it doesn't happen. And against a team like Baltimore, four and at six and four, Baltimore is a good football team. I mean, I underestimated them early in the season. I wasn't convinced Joe Flacco was going to get the consistency he needed to do to get back into the form he was two years ago when they won a Super Bowl, but he absolutely has. He's played nice football this year. He's not turning over the ball as much as he has, and Steve Smith's been such a great addition. He's been phenomenal for them, and this is a Ravens team that they've had their ups and downs this season, but once again, right in the middle of things in their They're division. right in the thick of things. This will be a big win for them. They get the 7-4, and of course, Saints trying to avoid a 4-7 and start to their year. And yeah, who would have thought? Obviously, they lose again. I, I mean, it'd be unbelievable to think that the New Orleans Saints in that stadium, that dome, lost three straight home games. So, I, I like the Saints to bounce back in this one. We'll pick with the spread in the Pigskin Pick'em segment a little bit later on in the show. But when we come back, we're going to get to the weekly Jets-Giants breakdown. The Jets will be in Buffalo, and of course, the Giants will be back at home on Sunday Night Football taking on the Cowboys. So, we'll get to all that right after this. <laughs> are listening to the Asman and Butik podcast on ictv.org and on iTunes. 
Back on the Asmund and Budic Show podcast, Football Frenzy Week number 12. Jake, breaking down the Jets and Giants. Right now, Jets traveling to Buffalo, the frozen tundra of Buffalo this week, to take on the Bills. Bills coming off two straight losses, Jets off the bye week, but off a win against those Pittsburgh Steelers in rather, rather dominating fashion. Well, the thing as a Jet fan is, you know, is it good that it went into the bye off a win? Me, selfishly, I think it was. I got to enjoy a Cortica weekend last week, not have to wake up and worry about a stressful day rooting for the Jets, as it always is. But from the Jet standpoint, is it smart going in? Is it good or bad going into the bye off a win? I think it's pretty good based on how the season was going. You pick up a win, you have a week to enjoy it, and then you get back to work. But, you know, we'll find out what type of team shows up on Sunday. And I think what benefits the Jets is because of the snowstorm, the Bills the past two days, haven't been able to practice because their players haven't been able to get to the facility to be able to train because of the snowstorm. So, you know, we'll see what type of team shows up. And obviously, the Bills, to keep their season alive, it's a must-win game for them. And the Jets, we all know they're just playing for pride at this point. Yeah, two weeks ago, it looked like the Bills were, you know, serious contenders, blah, blah, blah. And what happens? You know, they lose two straight games, and they don't look rather they don't look very good in either of the games. And their last win actually was against the Jets three, what, three, four weeks ago when they took them on a MetLife statement, they smoked the Jets. And, and I think that's something the Jets come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulders. They got really embarrassed at home against the Buffalo Bills. Well, if you remember in that game, that was a game that Geno Smith was benched. It was an embarrassment. That was an embarrassing He might have threw his last pass as a Jet that day, if you remember. And yep. you had the three interceptions and the three straight drives, and Rex pulled him out within like five minutes of the first quarter. It was a joke. And he had a 0.0 quarterback rating. I mean, it, I mean, we don't need their... You can go back in time and talk about how bad Gino was because everyone knows, but he was awful. We remember Vic came in and he had three turnovers on on, on his own. So the key for the Jets is going to be to be able to run the football effectively. It's going to be cold. The field's going to be a little snowy. It's going to be on. To, it's going to be on them to be able to get a, a running game going and making sure Michael Vick doesn't have to do too much with his offense. If he played well against the Steelers, they had everything clicking. They had some big plays. They had a nice rushing attack. The key for them is going to be able to limit the turnovers and they'll have a shot in this game. Limit the turnovers and. It was, you know, great couple weeks ago when they took on the Pittsburgh Steelers. There were no turnovers. You know, they were they were able to not turn over the football, win the turnover battle, and and really dominate the time of possession. That's what they're going to need to do to win from here on out. They're going to need Michael. They're going to need to play rather flawless football. And their defense is going to have to come up with big turnovers. Fortunate for them, a couple weeks ago, Jaquan Jarrett came up huge. And you got you got six games left, and you know the the fates of Rex and Isaac. We don't know how much is that going to be. You know, depending on these six games, but it's certainly big for that coaching staff. Every win counts at this point, and you know that they're going to be trying to pick up those wins. And for the Bills, we so we talked about must win game for them to keep their season alive, and should be a pretty good football game. The spreads are pretty even, and you know we'll we'll pick it a little bit later on in the show. But you know, I I can see this being a very close football game. I can see it being a very close football game, but I think what the Jets are going to have to do. Jets come in obviously four and a half point underdogs. What they're going to have to do is, like I said, dominate. They're going to have to win the time possession, win the turnover battle. And they're going to have to do what they did last week, what they did, two, so pardon me, two weeks ago against Pittsburgh, and they're going to have to air it out. I, you know, you, it was nice to see Michael Vick throw the football a little bit, air it out downfield. You mentioned they had a 67-yard touchdown pass, their longest touchdown pass since 2008. That's Those are the kind of things we're going to have to see if we want to see the Jets win a couple games, especially in a cold cold environment like Buffalo. That and running the football. you got to take shots downfield, and you got to protect the quarterback. And obviously, Michael Vick, we talked about, it, he cannot turn the football over. And then you give the Jets a chance, and let's transition now to the Giants. And 
They're sitting at three and seven. Their season's over. I don't want to hear anyone tell me otherwise. They're not good enough. We said it all season long. They're not a good enough football team to win out. And nine and seven probably wouldn't even get them in at this point. So, you know, their season's over. But they're playing right now for Tom Coughlin's job, in my opinion, and Jerry Reese's job. Because if the Giants have back-to-back losing seasons, you can make a case that they could lose their jobs. And once again, Eli Manning was awful last week. He needs a bounce-back performance to give them a chance on Sunday Night Football. And against a team like Dallas, that where you know they're playing for a, a, trying to win that division, they're obviously very much in the thick of things, right there at the top of the NFC East. Yeah, I, I, the Giants are out of it. Three and seven, you're not going anywhere. Nine and seven, at best, if the Giants went out, is not getting you into the playoffs in the NFC. It's just not going to happen unless you win the division. And it, at seven and three, and at, with seven plus wins, I mean, with the Falcon, with the Eagles and the Cowboys, it's not going to happen. I mean, the Giants are not going to make the playoffs this year. You mentioned it; they're playing for Reese and Coughlin's jobs. I mean, I think I really don't know. It really depends how bad it gets here on out. But you can make the case that if one of them, if not both, might be gone next season, who knows? And Eli Manning's got to play better. Well, Five well, interceptions is, is just is, he didn't give him a chance. Yeah, he, he, they had a chance to win. But anytime Eli just wasn't didn't wasn't good enough to really have them in the game. I mean, the Giants have lost now five. What is it? Five straight football games in a row. They Four. were th- they were they were three and three. But yeah. did they win to get the three and three? No, they, no, they, they, lost. they were three and two. Right. So they were three they, and two. Yep. And so they've lost now five, five straight, straight football, football games. games. So I mean, and we talked about it on the show right before they were going to play that Eagles game. They begin the six game stretch of the Eagles, the Niners. It was too you much. Know. They just. I remember with three and two, everyone's like, "Oh, the Giants." You know, they you know they're starting to pick things. They're just not that talented, especially offensively. Defensive, they've had a whole other issue. Well, they begin with they weren't that talented, and then you throw on the injuries, and it's just too much. No, to overcome. absolutely. You lose Victor Cruz. You lost Jennings for a period of time. You you love what you've seen in Odell Beckham Jr., but he's by the, himself. He's by himself. They haven't done a good. I will say, to in defense of Eli Manning, they have not protected him well. Terrible job. But he has thrown a lot of interceptions. Well, coming into yesterday, last week, not that many, but five in one game. I mean, that especially against a team like the 49ers, you just you can't win when you turn over. No, the ball Eli five had times. a bad game last week, but you know, overall, Eli has not been the reason why the Giants are where they are. He's been one of the few consistent no, he's players. Been, he's had a, he's, he's had a, fine. He's had a good season. He's, you know, statistically, he's had a good season. He's kept them in games. He hasn't been the reason they've had issues. The reason why the Giants are struggling stems from I think it's a combination a of, of a few a, things. A lack of talent and injuries. Those are the two main things. And this defense that we all thought was going to be a lot better. Better, really hasn't been that good. I think Eli hasn't been a big issue at times. He's he's cost them during this stretch, but I think overall he's played well at quarterback. I don't think he's been their biggest issue. They have a bigger problems than Eli Manning. You mentioned it. The injuries. They're just not a very good football team. That, that's. I mean, I think that's pretty much the bottom line. At three and seven, you know, losers of five straight football games. I mean, they're not even much better than the Jets are, and the Jets are two and eight. So. Three weeks ago, we thought the Giants were a total lot better than the Jets. I mean, if you look at the the remaining games on the schedule, there's a very good case to be made that the Jets could actually finish with a better record than the Giants. Very well, because the Giants have a very backloaded, tough schedule. A lot of tough football games. It's going to soften up after this, but you look at the Jets' schedule, very easy schedule. And the Jets are only a game worse than the Giants. No, and I'm saying at this point, softening up. I mean, the Giants' season is over. Three and seven, it's over. It's just a matter of trying to finish out strong. And you're, once again, you you know, you're playing for Tom Coughlin's job. and And it seems like every time. We see Tom Coughlin on the hot seat. Wow, they're going to run off and win the Super Bowl next year. You know what I'm saying? If he if he keeps his job and they 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 finish, you know, say they finish seven and nine next year, you know, they run off and win the Super Bowl and Coughlin's safe. And we, I feel like it's it's a it's it's the last seven or eight years for the Giants, two Super Bowls in there, but they've pretty much been the same football team. It's really been a revolving door if you really think about it. 
outside of a couple of months, they've been pretty much the same football team for the last eight years. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you look at 2008 was the one year they won 12 games at a dominant season, but that was the year Plaxico shot himself in the foot, and that ended their chance of going to the Super Bowl. That really affected that season. But, you know, once again, Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning's legacies, they're already cemented, but at this point it's a matter of will Coughlin be back for the following season. And we'll, that, to, we'll find and out. That very well could have to do with will Jerry Reese be back next year? Mm-hmm. You know, he's taken a lot of hits the last couple of weeks for maybe not putting enough you you know enough talent on this offense to win. So we'll see. We'll see. But at three and seven their season's over. We're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna bring on our producer Jake Chernock for this week's buy or sell. Listening to the Asman and Butic podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Show the football frenzy podcast week number 12. Before we get to buy or sell, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Asmund Budic Show. You can like our Facebook page, The Asmund and Budic Show, and we're pretty active on social media. A lot of good stuff going on on our social media pages. But now let's get to the buy or sell. We bring on our producer to the studio, Jake Chernock. Jake, how are you? I'm swell, fellas. How are y'all doing? Doing good, Jake. Doing good. Obviously, the buy or sell segment. We'll get to the first one. The Falcons will win the NFC South. You know, this is it's an interesting one because you have two teams sitting at four and six in first place. You have the Falcons. You have the Saints. We touched on it earlier. I'm going to sell it. I just don't trust the Falcons. I don't trust their defense. And I think at the end of the day, when you look at Matt Ryan versus Drew Brees, I feel more comfortable going with Drew Brees. I know the Saints have lost two straight games, but I'd be very surprised if the Saints don't find a way to win this division. It's been that bad. The Falcons are a bad team. The Saints aren't that much better. But you know, it, it, my heart tells me the Saints will figure it out. They'll find a way to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going to have to sell that as well. Just like Jake said, I think the Saints will eventually figure out a way to capture this division. Just, I think, ultimately, I think you're right, Jake. I don't know if I trust Atlanta's defense, and I don't know if you could ever bet against Drew Brees. That guy just seems to prove you wrong. Whenever you doubt him, I'm going to sell that. Yeah, I'm going to also sell it. I don't trust the Falcons. I don't trust their defense. They've, they're they really a bad football team at 4-6. and six. They're a, I mean, you see, a, you see a bright side at the end of the, the tunnel for the Saints only because they're the Saints, and we know how good they can be, and we know how good you know Brees has been especially in that offense. Uh, and I'm not saying we haven't seen that in Matt Ryan, but their defense is brutal. And they've, they've had some brutal losses this year. I just I, I think the Saints are going to get it together. Buy or sell, guys. Oakland will win a game. Uh, I'm going to have to sell that just because it's really hard to lose 16 football games in a row. Like, at some point, you figure that they're going to get lucky and win a football game, so I'm going to sell that. Yeah, I think they're going to get the win. I think they're going to get a win. Uh, I don't know where it's going to come, but you mentioned it, Jake. It's tough to win, to to lose 16 straight football games. They have some winnable games coming up when you look. Uh, the Rams, that's a, that's a team I think they could maybe win. We've, we talked about it. The Rams have struggled against lesser teams. Uh, the Bills maybe, but, I mean, you're probably not going to beat the Broncos the last week. They're probably not going to beat the Chiefs coming up. There's, there's a few options where they could get a win, uh, but it's very tough to lose 16 straight games. It's just the way the NFL works. It, it's just you, you're bound to find a win somewhere. I'm going to sell it too, based on what you guys said. But if you really look at the schedule, the remaining games: the Chiefs, Rams, 49ers, Chiefs again, Bills, Broncos. 
I only really maybe see a two chance games. where they can get two yeah. games. Two there. games. And you know, if you asked me this a couple weeks ago, I'd say they definitely would get a win. But they're at zero and ten. Once you get to zero and ten, you start to get a little worried, just a little bit here. I mean, because you look at this Raiders team, and you remember that Lions team in two thousand eight when they went zero and sixteen. People thought they'd win a game. They were like, oh, you know, at the end of the day, they'll find a way to win a game. But once it started getting to 0-10, I remember this, people started to get a little bit nervous. And you look at the rest of their schedule, you can you can definitely make a case that they might not win another game. The only reason I think it's a little different is because if you remember back when the Lions went 0-16, they were so bad. They didn't have a quarterback. They didn't have any piece. Or they were awful. I, I, the Raiders have been in some football games Who this year. Who was the quarterback that ran out of the end zone? Was that Dan, Dan Orlovsky? Yeah, or Dan Orlovsky. Dan what a, what a Orlovsky. What a name. But when you look at this Raiders team, I do, they're he not— He ran out of the end zone. He, he, he <laughs> backfoot, amazing. backfoot out of the end He didn't know why they called him down. He didn't know why. <laughs> it was amazing. But when you look at this Raiders team at 0-10, I mean, they've been in some football games. I, I mean, I don't think—they're not brutal. They've just— you know, they've been on the lesser end or the, uh, the, at this season. They really haven't games. been killed in that many games. That's what I'm saying. They're not awful. Week one against the Jets, they lost um, they, they, You know, they, they, they lost a little bit. The Jets didn't really that was, dominate that game. They could have won that game. Patriots, that Patriots game. in week two, they, they only lost 16-9. They got beat by the Dolphins pretty badly, 38-14. Week four against the Chargers, they were in that football game. You know, they only lost by three points. You know, into a, a very good Chargers team at the time. The Cardinals they were in in it with you know within a couple scores. The Browns they only lost by ten. They only lost by you know, six points to the the Seahawks on the in road. Seattle, so, yeah, and, you know, in they Seattle. got killed by Denver and they only lost by a little bit to the Chargers. So you know, out of their ten games, they've only been blown out maybe what two or three of them. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think they. That's why when I think of them, they're not necessarily a prototypical zero and ten team like you talk about when you saw. Uh, the, the, when the when the Detroit Lions were back in the day, I mean they were brutal. I don't think they're this nice I don't team. think this Oakland Raiders team's brutal. I think they're all right. Uh, I think they've been on, they've been unfortunate. They haven't gotten they haven't been on the the right side of the of the bounce a, a couple of times this year, more than a couple times. I think they'll find a way to get at least one win this season. And shifting now to our final buy or sell question for this week. This is a little bit of a fun one. Obviously, all three of us are students at Ithaca College. The Bombers of Ithaca College football team, they are making a run into the into the NCAA tournament this week. They open against Hobart in Geneva on Saturday. Guys, will the Ithaca College Bombers win the Stag Bowl this year? Oh, they're going all the way, and I have no doubt about it. You got Tom Dempsey, Vito Buffoli. You got some brand-name Division Three football players, and let me tell you something. Tom Dempsey right now, you put him in that New York Jets offense, and I see him as uh, you know, a guy that could lead this team for the next 10 to 15 seasons. I think he's at the same level of Andrew Luck when you compare the other Division Three quarterbacks, and you know he gives them a chance, and obviously great head coach and Coach Mike Welsh. There's no reason to me why this Bombers team can't win a Stag Bowl, and then you know what? I think they, not only can they win a Stag Bowl, they could be Bama and they can win a national championship. As well. Whoa, you're gonna get ahead of yourself there. But I, I listen to win a Stag Bowl. Uh, I, there's some tough, they're tough teams at the D3 level. They're facing a 10-0 Hobart team in Geneva this weekend. A lot of people think they might win. A lot of people think that Hobart's in a lesser conference. They are in a lesser conference, so we'll see. To win a Stag Bowl, though, ah, I, I don't know, I don't know. But you know, obviously, uh, they were unable to win the Cortica Jug last week. It'd be, you know, wouldn't it be nice to give Coach Welch's third, uh, to give Coach Welch's first national championship? Oh, well, wouldn't it be nice? Exactly right. They gotta get healthy first. I think they've had some injuries in the uh, um, in the last couple of weeks. They had Tristan Brown, their first string running back, who they've been without now for a couple. Weeks. At this point, there's not the Andrew majority Tabert of didn't our play audience. In the jug game. They have no idea who we're talking about. Yes, exactly. But that's why it's so great because they have no idea who we're talking about. Anyway, make sure. Actually, I'm gonna give a little self promotion here. Tune in to Countdown Kickoff at 12:30 on Saturday afternoon for 
uh, for extensive Bombers coverage. For uh, pregame, we've got me, Sam Cooperman, and Alex Lovowitz. Break it all down for you. And then at 1 o'clock, Vinny Longo and Jesse Feldman, Alex Barth, they're going to be at the field. They do a great job, as always. So I just I had to get that plug in there because why not? I love the plug. I love the plug. 92 WICB right, so and the Chern- Bombers Radio right, Network. Right. Chernock has given us a fantastic plug. But in all seriousness, good luck to the Bombers this weekend. Absolutely. We actually Go do get know, We do know that, that uh, a decent amount of the players on the team listen to the show, of course. So good luck to those guys. And, uh, you know, that's going to do it for the buy or sell segment. But Jake Chernock, I believe you have a fantastic four downs coming right up. Yes, it's fantastic as always, of so, course. So we're going to get to Jake Chernock's four downs right after this. Now it's time for Four Downs with Jake Chernock. On first down, Le'Veon Bell became the first player to top 200 yards on the ground this season. Bell took it straight to the Tennessee Titans on Monday night and ran for 204 yards, including 196 between the tackles. A big reason for Bell's career night was a dominant performance by the Pittsburgh offensive line, as 111 of the 204 yards came before contact. Now on second down, the Broncos will need to work out their recent offensive issues quickly as their next two games are home against the Dolphins and then at Kansas City against the Chiefs. The Dolphins pose a threat as a top pass defense. Their 33.1 total quarterback rating this season is best in the NFL and they've proven strong against top quarterbacks this season. On third down, the Chiefs have no touchdowns from their wide receivers this season. Every other NFL team has at least three such touchdowns. The Chiefs have gotten 899 yards from their wide receivers this season. And there are four players, Antonio Brown, Demarius Thomas, T.Y. Hilton, and Golden Tate, who have more than that. Finally on fourth down, many visitors might be asking if they could just skip their trips to Lambeau Field with the way the Packers are playing there this season. The Pack improved to 5-0 on the year, and over the past four home games they've outscored opponents 128-9 in the first half. According to Elias' research, the Packers are the first team in NFL history to score at least 28 points in four straight home games. With the four downs, I'm Jake Chernock. And, of course, another great four downs from Jake Chernock. It only took him one take to nail all that, so it was obviously extremely impressive by him this week. And, Dan, let's get right to it. The pigskin pick'ems, they start right now. Are you ready? This week's pigskin pick'ems starts right now. First game we're picking, the Jets at the Bills. The Jets come in four-and-a-half-point underdogs. Who do you like? I like the Jets. I think they're going to win the game. Coming off the bye, I feel like it. You know, they have a chip on their shoulder after losing the Buffalo three, what, three, four weeks ago. They got smoked at home. I think they're going to win the game. I like the Jets, too. They, the Bills are not going to have a lot of practice time. That's They've true. They've the past couple of days because of the snowstorm. I, and I just think the Jets can't get embarrassed like they did last week. They're coming off the bye with a win over Pittsburgh. I think Michael Vick is obviously going to do a lot better this time around against the Bills than when he was thrown into the role the first time after Geno was just horrendous at MetLife Stadium. Give me the Jets in this game. The Bills are really struggling. Give me the Jets, and I'll take that four and a half points to sweeten the deal a little bit as well. Let's get to the next game now, Dan. Dallas at the Giants. And this is a Dallas team that on the road is still a three and a half point favorite. I think Dallas is going to cover the spread. I think the Giants just against good football teams, they haven't played very well, whether they're at home or on the road. A uh, couple of tough losses last week. The five interceptions by Eli Manning killed them. Dallas needs this game. They got it. They're 
trying to keep up pace, and the Eagles are trying to keep up pace with them. They're trying to keep pace with the Eagles. I think Dallas is going to win, cover the spread. I agree with you. This is a game that Dallas has to win. I think three and a half is a little bit light, but I do understand it. Giants are the home team in prime time, but there's going to be a lot of Cowboys fans at MetLife. They always true. travel well. America's game, team. Game doesn't mean that much for the Giants. Give me the Dallas Cowboys in this game. It's a game that have to win to keep pace with the Eagles. And, of course, you know, the Giants are just not a good football team right now. Until they prove me otherwise, it's hard for me to pick them against any good football teams. Now, Dan, let's get to the Monday night football game, of course. The Ravens at the Saints. Saints three-point favorites at home, and I'm going to take them. I like this matchup a lot. I think they're due for a win. I can't see them losing three straight home games. And I think that that Saints offense at the Dome is due for a breakout performance. Expect Jimmy Graham to have a big game. I agree. I can't see them losing three straight home games. It's just un-Saints-like to lose two. To lose three, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to win the game. My first wildcard game, Cincinnati at Houston. Cincinnati's actually getting a point on the road in Houston. And you know what? I liked how the Bengals played last week. They got back on track. And I think it obviously depends on which Andy Dalton shows up. Houston's actually won the last five games between these two teams. I think they do it for a loss. Give me the Bengals going on the road, winning that game. My wild card game, Arizona traveling to Seattle. Six and a half point dogs at home on the road. A tra uh, nine and one team traveling to a six and four team, but it is Seattle. I'm taking Seattle to win and cover. I just think Drew Stanton traveling to, uh, to Seattle, excuse me, to try to get a win. I just think it's going to be too tough for the, the inexperienced quarterback to travel on the road and get a win in Seattle. So that's going to do it for the Pigskin Pickums, and that's also going to do it for our show. Special thank you to everyone for tuning in, our producer, Jake Chernock. All Great job, our, as always. All our assistant producers helping us with the research and the social media and everything that they do for the program. Make sure you follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow the the show's account, at Asmundutic Show. We already mentioned it earlier. You can like our Facebook page, and we actually did a fantastic interview with ESPN's Buster only a little bit earlier in the week, so you can take a look at that. He gave us a lot of really good insight. He was fantastic. Buster was fantastic. Yeah, he was. Great interview. We got a lot of great feedback on that one, and you know, it, it was obviously an awesome time talking to him, but Dan, you said it earlier in the show, our last show till about two weeks from now when we come back from Thanksgiving yep. break here at Ithaca College, so this will be our last show till then, so everyone, have a great Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. and we appreciate you tuning into the show as always. So long, everybody. Listening to the Asmund and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.